Hi, Hannah. How's it going, Amy? Oh, it's great. How are you? Not too shabby. <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about today? No. What are no. we learning about? Bluegill. Oh. So it's our first non-mammal, non-bird. Non-herb. Non-herb chat. Did we talk? Yeah. We talked about herbs. Blanding turtles. Yep. We're talking about fish today because cool. I figured we should give them a little love. Yeah. So I thought I'd talk about one of our most common fish here and ended up learning a lot more information about them than I anticipated. I only know them from fishing. Yeah. And I don't fish. So maybe you know more than me. I used to fish a lot. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, it's an important pastime. And I think pastime. pastime. <laughs> it's a thing that people do. <laughs> um yeah, you know, I know we were talking before we even started recording, and I decided to go bluegill because they've got, like, a really cool parental care huh. um, behavior, I guess. Can't wait to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll definitely chat on it. But um, let's kind of start with the overview for those of us that knew little to nothing about fish or bluegill. Um, they are a common fish here. Uh, they can be found statewide throughout Illinois, and they're found in Chicagoland, of course, in a wide variety of waterways. Um, they are a member of the, wait for it, Centrarchidae. Okay. Centrarchidae family or the sunfish family. Oh, that's cute. That's yeah. awful though. E yeah. I had to like write out the pronunciation because I was going to butcher that. And I think I did okay. <laughs> I think I did okay. Um, but basically they're a freshwater ray finned fish that's native to North America. Okay. So they share this family with rock bass, largemouth bass, crappies. Is that how I say that? Crappies? I don't know. I don't know. It's not the cutest name. We need to go find a fisherman. <laughs> exactly. Um, and pumpkin seed fish. So, I didn't know there were pumpkin seed fish. Yes, yes. Oh, maybe we should cover that in another episode. Maybe. Yeah. Um, they are not super big fish. I guess they can get up to a foot long. Really? Yeah, but on average, you're going to find them around five inches long. That was less than a half. Only my, yeah, five yeah. to eight would be my catching range. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and they can get as heavy as two to three pounds. I think the state record is three pounds, eight ounces for Illinois currently. Okay. Yeah, uh, but usually you're going to find them less than a pound in weight. Yeah. So we'll find them nice and small. Um, and what do these little fish look like? Well, you'd think they'd have these like really cool blue gills, nope. but no. <laughs> and it, I guess it varies on like age, sex, size, all these things play a factor in what they look like. But a lot of them are going to have like that purpley blue head mm -hmm. kind of front to their body. Um, and then they're going to be a little bit more like olive green colored towards the rest of their body. Right. And they'll have these like little vertical bars that go down six to eight bars on their side. I didn't know it was like that a many. Darker. Mm -hmm. Maybe it depends on the size. They get I more can bars. See that. <laughs> it's like an achievement. Um, <laughs> and they're known for the little black dot on their dorsal fin. So yes. on the top fin there, they're going to have that little, I would suppose it's an eye spot or some form of eye spot, um, which would be common in fish species. It's a way to kind of evade your predators. Yes, make exactly. Them confused. I never thought to look if that black spot is, in fact, a quote eye spot, but. I'll look into it. I'll That's let a you know. Question. Yeah, it would make sense. Um, what else about them? Oh, well, they do pretty well around here, as you can guess, mm -hmm. as many of our species do, thankfully. Um, they're considered to be generals, generalists when it comes to eating. 
Uh, they'll kind of eat anything that fits into their mouth. <laughs> so <laughs> most toddler. Yeah, exactly. It's a little dangerous. Um, <laughs> and most of their diet's going to have like the aquatic insects and aquatic larvae. Right. Um, but the bigger ones have been seen eating snails, leeches, crayfish. Interesting. Um, yeah. I can't that picture it? that. Worms. They do it. They have like this suction process. So they suck in their predators or pff, their prey, <laughs> just the prey. <laughs> um, and they obviously they're small, so they can only suck in a little amount of water at a time. So they got to get really close to these things. Okay. So it has to be really close to what they want to eat and it has to fit into their mouth. Those are the conditions. <laughs> I'm sure some fish at some point has bit off more than they can chew, though. Oh, probably. It does. It never ends well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they also have uh, some. Ro- they have a few rows of teeth. I did know that. I didn't know that. It's always creepy when fish have teeth. I think. Yeah. I don't know. My dad was always very adamant that I pull my own fish off the hook, which is okay. a good skill to learn as a girl. Yes, I agree. Um, he's like, shove your finger in its mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't want to shove my hand in a no. fish. That's weird. No. Well, in addition to the teeth, they have um, gill rakers. I don't know if you ever came across those, but it's like they're little rows of, it's either bone or cartilage. Okay. And it's on the inside of their gills. So it's almost like in a weird way, just more teeth. But it's really to help filter their food and keep the really tiny pieces of food inside so nothing floats back out their gills. I've seen this just prepping fish for other yeah. animals. Yeah, and there are a yeah, lot of species that's where that you have can it. put pills in for vitamin supplements. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a nice little packet. Nice. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've got the they've got gill rakers, so okay. They're, um, they kind of have like the filter feeding yeah. mechanism as well going on. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned you can find these guys pretty much statewide. Um, right. They're considered to be pretty adaptable, but they're oftentimes found in slower moving waters. So lakes and ponds, um, you'll see them in more shallow waters as long as it's got a lot of uh, vegetation and structures underneath to hide into. Okay. They'll, they'll prefer that. In the warmer months, they will go into deeper waters because they'll get that warmth right. in the deeper water. And they prefer water that's not under direct sunlight. So they like kind of the indirect warmth and just that. that yeah, the overall ability not to nice be... nice and clear water, mm-hmm. maybe a little murky and muddy. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of like to just have the opportunity to hide because, unfortunately, they get eaten a lot by other things. I'm sure so they do. They are big-time prey species. Um, what else? Oh, um, there was one place that IDNR noted the best place to find bluegill in Chicagoland. Yeah. If you're fishing for them is in Chicagoland, it's in the Kankakee River. Okay. So kind of south side Chicagoland. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, all the other places they listed were outside of our area, unfortunately. But uh, if you travel. If you're trying to go. It's on their website. See some bluegill. <laughs> they actually list like all of... Um, all of the waterways in which there are managed populations of bluegill and you can break it down by like portion of the state. So like Northeast, Northwest, Central. I did come across a map Um, like that. Yeah. Yep. So you'll find it. And, uh, and that's their IDNR, correct? That's IDNR. Yep. That's where I found mine too. So it was a different animal, but you can find, you know, just a map of where your animals are located through IDNR, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty handy. I sometimes, I'll say that the website can be a little difficult to navigate 
Um, I would agree. It's a little tough. I think they're working on it, but once you find your info, it's pretty helpful. Yes. So, um, these guys, when we talk about where they live, let's talk about who they live with. They're social, so you'll find them in colonies. Um, they oftentimes have like these big groups of nests. Okay. That they build. And the nests are leading into my very cool bit about their parental care. So male bluegill, they play a huge part in parental care. They okay. They oversee building the nest. Oh. So they're kind of in charge. Um, what they do is they kind of clear a space on the, the floor of whatever waterway they live in. Okay. And they will build their nest. It's like a depression into the ground. And into they, the? Into the pond, floor. bottom? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't think of a better word. The floor, not the, not the, the floor. ocean floor, the pond floor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so they use their caudal fin or their tail fin basically to create this depression. And then once they have it just how they want it, they start to guard it fiercely until okay. the female comes along. So they'll swim around it. They'll keep it clean, whatever they feel like they need to do. And the female will come along and they'll go ahead and herd her in there. So they become very pushy with her like you need to lay your eggs here and <laughs> she will probably agree and she lays her eggs and then the males release their sperm and it kind of binds the eggs down into the the into nest the yeah. mm -hmm. and then the female will move on and she'll mate with several males throughout the breeding season okay she doesn't play a huge role in this whole process aside from dropping off <laughs> wow yeah and the guys the males i should say they will stick around till the eggs hatch and okay. their little offspring leave the nest. And they do this all the way from spring through midsummer. It's a good chunk of time. And they're considered, yeah, and they're considered very prolific. Like, they're awesome at what they do. <laughs> very successful breeders. Um, oftentimes, if you come across a waterway that is stocked every year with fish, they'll only stock it once with bluegill. Because they okay. do so well on their own. Yeah. Like, there's no need to keep up that's great mm -hmm. yeah so i thought that was really neat oh and these guys they reach sexual maturity at one year so okay. it's pretty fast turnaround for them yeah if they make it to one year i know the, the younger ones tend to get picked off by things i can see that yeah so oh what else what else do we have you can even see these nests i've seen um if you even just youtube it a lot of people have filmed examples of these little nest colonies okay. they can be found in shallow waters as well that's actually probably what they're going to prefer i can see more that shallow water it's not as yeah much traffic down there mm -hmm. and, okay and you can see the little male he's circling like the crazy man that he is at this time of year and he's doing what he does best just to get him in so, wow yeah um i should i don't think i need to mention this but their least concern <laughs> they uh <laughs> They are not facing any type of conservation concern at this time. Um, they are considered and recognized as a native species of Illinois. Right. However, currently with uh, fishing regulations, there are no size or harvest limits on them. So you can catch as many as you want, no matter the size, apparently. Okay. Um, but they do have some like site-specific regulations. Yeah. yeah. So certain waterways are going to be like, mm, there's actually a limit there. So that's good. That's how well they do. We don't need to limit on um, what people want to take. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> I always feel so nervous about that. I'm like, Oh, be careful. <laughs> you know, we always want to just kind of 
give nature a healthy respect. Yes, yes. You don't want to abuse it. Exactly. Because that's just eventually tearing down our own resources. Right. Right. Like, don't don't take 50 pounds of bluegill home. (laughs) Like, just take what you need. Come back another time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, as someone who doesn't fish, who's never done it before, they have a ton of resources online through the Illinois Department of Natural Resources about fishing, like the best way to capture a fish, the best way to hold a fish. Wow. Um, just like really helpful. To, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I probably I've would have probably done it, doing wrong. it wrong. Yeah. Well, there's like certain hooks. There's certain times. There's all these like little tips that they have just to make it not only a productive experience for the person, but a safer experience for the fish. Because if you're doing like a catch and release, you know, we want to make sure the fish gets released and survives that whole experience. So they've got some really good advice on how to do that. Um, If you're interested in fishing, definitely take advantage of what they have to offer online and see if you can go to a clinic. I guess they host clinics. I did know that. season. Yeah. I've seen a very sweet picture of an IDNR officer surrounded by children teaching them how to fish. Cute. Also, um, I guess like bluegill weren't really favored for fishers, fishermen, fisher people. I mean, as and, a child, I always wanted that the bass. I was like, yeah. Oh, the stupid bluegill got on my hook again. Well, I guess it can be kind of tough to catch too, the bluegill. Did you ever have experience with that? Like they're just tough on the hook. Like when I read this like in two different places, it's just when you get them, they're like all over the place and just kind of. Well, yeah, they flop around a lot. Okay. But that feels like a fish, a general fish thing, right? That's what I always thought. Yeah. Well, I guess they they weren't really much of a sport fish until they developed more like sophisticated fishing rods. Okay. Like the anglers and the, I don't know what I'm talking about with the, with the fishing <laughs> equipment just to preface that, but like <laughs> way back when they were just not a great fish to, to catch cause they were just too much work and interesting. Yeah. I always feel like I caught them and they weren't my intent. Oh, well, Yes, everybody has a different experience with them then. <laughs> this is my very like rosy colored lenses. Yeah. Fishing memories. <laughs> True. Um, uh, something that cool I did find out about. So we talk about how they're native here. We work hard to, you know, make sure they have healthy populations. They play a really important role in fishing in Illinois, but they're not viewed the same in other parts of the world, even other parts of the country. Oh, so more along the coast, both the East Coast and the West Coast, um, they've been introduced as both a sport fish. So a fish you fish for Mm -hmm. and also a forage fish. So a fish you put in to support other fish you want to fish. Okay. (laughs) So the food, (laughs) you're stocking the food. Um, And they've ended up kind of doing so well that they affect native populations in those areas. So they're more considered an invasive species. Yeah. Yeah. And not much is being done to rectify that or remove them because they just help other, th- they help, you know, the bigger fish that they feed. Yeah. <laughs> so, but unfortunately, I, I think there's some instances like in California where they've affected local frog populations or, you know, other small fish, like when it comes to. Yeah. Other eating. native fish that are close to their size, yeah. seeking the same resources mm-hmm. and habitats. Yeah. Um, they're introduced in parts of Africa, South Africa, I believe, uh, Europe, Asia, actually in Japan, they're considered an invasive species. And funny enough. Yeah. So it was 1960. Okay. Chicago's mayor, Mayor Daly. Yeah. He brought over 15 
bluegill as a gift to the emperor of Japan. And they got out on accident and they ended up creating a population over there. And I guess, no, yeah, that's a Chicago source. Yeah, yeah, we're infamous for it. And <laughs> so now, literally, every bluegill you find in Japan and Korea can be traced back to these 15 fish, supposedly. And the emperor, like, ended up apologizing for what they did, like, 50 years after. And it was like <laughs> a thing. And now they're like, no, you can't bring them, you can't do anything with them, like, we want them gone. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I know. Who would have thought? I know. They're just normal here, and it's like a totally different issue in another part of the world. But I we experienced that with our own invasives. Oh, yeah. So it's just weird to kind of like be on the other end of it for once. Right. Yeah. We were the source. Exactly. Yeah. And we're the specific source. Yeah. Like, oops. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, like I said, they're, they're a popular fish for fishermen and um, but obviously, you know, we want to support their populations because of the role they play in their ecosystems. Um, they're important for keeping insects and crustacean populations in check, but they're also great for other things that eat on them. So, or eat them, I should say, <laughs> they're going to eat the whole thing. <laughs> um, like herons, turtles, kingfishers, yeah. um, larger fish like trout, bass, pike, uh, they're going to depend on those bluegill for food, especially the younger ones. So that's why we introduce them in other populations. Because mm-hmm. they do support, they support the, the bigger yeah, other animals. Huh. So it's, oh, and otters eat them. They've been observed eating them, which is super cute. I have never seen an otter in the Chicagoland area myself. Me neither. And they're apparently all over. Yeah? Yeah. I, my boyfriend, he has an otter family in a pond near his office. He tells me about it all the time, but I've not seen it myself. That's magical. I can't believe that. I know. He's just hiding it from us, pretty much. He's keeping it to himself. The magical little otters. Mm -hmm. So cute. Well, they eat bluegill. Cool. We don't want the otters to go away. No, never. Exactly. Um, Another thing is to... Obviously, fishing brings in a lot of revenue for the state. Yes. It's much like hunting, regulated hunting, regulated fishing. Permits. Yes. Get those permits. Um, Make sure that you're doing everything legally and within the guidelines and you'll be well on your way to contributing towards Illinois conservation because a lot of that money goes back into preserving these habitats. And so you can go out and use them. Yeah. And outreach programs. I found a really cool outreach program. It's called the Urban Fishing Program. It's in Chicagoland region. And it's kind of like an umbrella program. So there's all these different initiatives within it, like all these clinics. There's like a get hooked on fishing, not on drugs initiative. Oh, that's cute. Um, Classroom workshops, like for all ages, there's something. Okay. And they're focused on just getting people more connected with those waterways and through fishing. And they're teaching them how to do it respectfully within guidelines. I feel like fishing is always a very great area in terms of permitting. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just want to stand on a pond with a fishing rod and see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) But you need a permit for it. Technically, yes. Technically, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is one of those that's got a lot of gray area, and we need to make sure that we're well-informed before we take part in it. But when we do, I'm sure it's a great experience. Amy, Um, I feel like we need to go fishing now. I know. I'm kind of nervous. I, like, don't want to hurt anything, but... Yeah. You also want to see stuff and experience it for yourself so you can speak on it. 
True. Yeah. That's what those resources are for. So we can catch fish safely and kindly. Yes. And make it as least traumatizing as possible for them. Right, right. There's got to be some way. So, well, I think that's all I have on Bluegill today. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing like a brand new topic branch. I know. I really want to reach out to different types of species. And uh, of course, if anybody has any recommendations on an animal they'd like to learn about or hear us chat about, let us know. Please do. We've got social media, Twitter and Facebook at (laughs) at (laughs) At Puku. (laughs) Okay. At Puku Podcast. (laughs) That's where you're going to find us. Um, email us. Email. Hello, cuckoo podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And as always, we record it on Anchor FM. Anchor, that's where we're at. And please share us. Make sure you're letting other people know that we have this super awesome podcast and we want to chat all about wildlife conservation here in Chicagoland. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.